Regardless of your relationship status or whether you learn the laws of love from Madonna, Bon Jovi, or Whitney, we can all agree that relationships are complicated. And it may be easy to sing a love song, but it can be difficult to live it out, right? In this series, Love Songs and Lies, we'll take a look at some truths from God's Word that will help us live full, life-giving relationships. church everybody where anything can happen and it probably will we are so glad that each and every one of you are with us today hey we're so glad that you are with us at city first church i want to take a moment welcome all of our locations everybody right here at spring creek city first church anywhere cape coral family and of course god behind bars our favorite location and what's so amazing is normally God Behind Bars, they gather every week and they have the video message that we see here. But this week, they had the special treat that they got to have an in-person service with Pastor Jeremy preaching live. And what's so amazing is it was standing room only. How amazing is that? So thank you, God Behind Bars, for leading the way in faith and pursuit in Jesus. Well, today we're continuing our series, Love, Songs, and Lies, our relationship series. And last week was so much fun. We had Pastor Ryan speak a very helpful message. We heard Stephanie sing, I will always love you. Now, if you're anything like me, when that track starts and it's not Whitney singing, you're like, it's either going to be really good or really bad. And it was really good, which we're grateful for. And today we had our 80s throwback song, You Give Love a Bad Name. Now, some of you are like Lisa. There's no lie in that love song. You're thinking of every person, every ex who has indeed given love a bad name. I want to encourage you to come back next week. Pastor Jeremy's talking about forgiveness. It's going to be good. You won't want to miss it. And for those of you not born in the 80s, you're like, what was that song? That is sang originally by a man named Bon Jovi. And he was epic with his mullet. Now, you might not know this, but back in the day, Pastor Jeremy was sometimes misconfused as being Bon Jovi. It might have had something to do with the hair. Now, he's not here today, so I did not ask his permission to show this photo. I just found it and thought, I'm going to go ahead and do that. You can take a screenshot. You can tag him if you want to on Instagram. You're welcome. But I hope it's okay that we are laughing together in church. It's good to have fun. It's good to laugh. And then we're going to dive right into some truths today from God's word about how we can have healthy relationships. Because in this relationship series, we are talking for, it's for everybody. If you are single, if you are dating, if you are dating but you're not dating, you got the it's complicated banner over your relationship. You might be engaged, you might be married, maybe you were married and now you're single again. At City First Church, we are passionate about having healthy relationships. And it's important for us to realize that relationships are actually God's idea. God himself exemplifies relationship and how he operates within the Trinity, Father, Spirit, and Son. He operates in the realm of relationship. 
In the very beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter 2, we see that God created Adam and then he said, it is not good for man to be alone. Everybody said, amen. And so then he created Eve so they could have relationship. Then in the New Testament portion of the Bible, we see that God gave his only son, Jesus, to come to this earth, die on a cross so that we could have relationship with him. God is so passionate about healthy relationships because it is his ultimate design for our lives. You were created for a relationship. You were created for a relationship and not just romantic relationship. First and foremost, have relationship with God and then healthy relationships with other people. And maybe you're in this place right now and you are single and I just wanna speak to all the single people and I just wanna reaffirm and say that singleness is not a problem to be solved, okay? The number one is in fact a whole number and the only person who's really gonna complete any of us anyways is Jesus. And so be encouraged today that God has a purpose and a plan for you to live out right now in the season of singleness. And if you are single and you're like, but I want a romantic relationship, keep coming back to church, okay? Church is where I found my husband. Thank you, Lord. The Lord provides. So keep on coming back to church. But in the same way that God is passionate about us having healthy relationships, we need to know that in that same measure, the enemy hates healthy relationships. He hates them. Because healthy relationships is something that the enemy cannot have, and so he does not want you to have them either. And so the enemy will work hard to keep you from having healthy relationships. That's why you feel like there's so much tension and it can be such a struggle. The enemy is working hard so that you won't have healthy relationships. And that's why it says this in James 3.18. You can, it is possible, to develop a healthy, robust community or relationship that lives right with God and enjoy the results only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other. Relationships will be hard work, but it is worth it. And there's lots of self-help books and tips and tricks for relationships, but there's also a very spiritual component to it. And we want to do the hard work practically as well as spiritually so we can have strong relationships. And here's the thing. We've seen this over the past couple of years with COVID and even beyond that, that there is an attack on relationships. And there is an attack on marriages. And there is attack on households and on family units. And this is what the enemy wants us to do. He wants us to begin to attack one another instead of attacking the real issues that are at hand. And we need people who are willing to say, I'm not just going to attack somebody else, but let's talk about the real issues. This is what we're doing in church today. And when we attack each other, instead of attacking the real issues, that's how we end up in a world that is so full of confusion, so full of cancel culture, so full of blaming and shaming and pettiness and hate speech and hate acts. And I want us to think about when Jesus walked the earth, when we read stories about how Jesus treated people, it was in stark contrast to the attacks that we see today on one another. He treated people with kindness. He took his time. He showed honor to people. He made a way for people. He walked in kindness. See, Jesus could always attack the problem, but never the person. He would see what the problem was, and he said, let's address the problem but let's never attack the person. See, Jesus lived a different way. Jesus lived a better way. 
And so when it comes to having healthy relationships, which is what we're talking about today, we want to follow in the ways of Jesus. His ways are better than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So point number one for us today, healthy relationships are built on following Jesus Christ, not culture. Okay, if we want to have healthy relationships, we got to follow in the ways of Jesus, not follow in the ways of, the, of culture, of whatever love song is out. And we know culture might be like, it's all about me. Do whatever makes you feel good. The more, the merrier. But we know that God has a different way about living out our relationships here on earth. And so what does Jesus say about relationships? He says this in John chapter 15. He says, my command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. It's not really an option. Jesus is saying, this is my command. Love each other as I have loved you. And then in case you, he's like, maybe you need help filling in the blank of how I've loved you. He tells us, he says, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friend. Jesus showed us love to the fullest, that he would lay down his life. And then he tells us, do likewise, serve one another, love one another. And I love what it says in 1 Corinthians 13. It kind of is a further explanation of love. It's the love chapter. I don't know how many of you grew up in church. I grew up in church. My mama had me in church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. We did not have snacks when we sat through a two-hour-long service. We did not have iPhones. If I wanted to have fun, I got to thumb through the hymnal if I was lucky. That's what we did in church back in the day. If I was extra lucky, I might get a piece of gum. I was like, yes. And then in Sunday school, my Sunday school teacher was like, okay, we're all going to memorize the chapter of 1 Corinthians 13. But when she had us memorize it, we didn't just get to read it how it was all the time. Sometimes she would make you insert your name wherever it said love. So you'd be reading this chapter and you're like, Lisa is patient, Lisa is kind, Lisa doesn't envy, she doesn't boast. And I was like, I'd rather be looking at the hymnals, like this is way too much pressure right now. But we're going to read 1 Corinthians 13 because it's a great reminder for us of what real love looks like. It says this, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And I wanna encourage us this week, go home and just read these four verses, 1 Corinthians 13, four through seven. And maybe you're like, wow, I'm not doing good in any of those areas. Don't be overwhelmed. Just pick one thing and say, this week I'm going to work on one thing. I'm going to work on patience. I'm going to work on kindness. If you're like, I don't know where to start because I equally need to work on all of them, a great place for all of us to start is love does not dishonor others. It can be so easy to be dishonoring these days. 
whether that's through text, like on social media, or whether that is verbally. We can dishonor people to, to their face or behind their back, and we want to be people who bring honor. And maybe you're like, well, the people around me don't deserve my honor. Well, what if we said it like this? Honor is freely given while respect is earned, but let's give away honor to people. And what happens is when you start to speak to someone dishonorably, they might start to act dishonorably, and you get caught in this dishonor circle. But when you start to speak honorably, maybe they'll begin to act honorably and you'll get caught up in the honor circle. So let's be people who are speaking honor and speaking with honor to one another. We want to be people who are showing love as we honor people. You know, one of our mission statements around here at City First Church is that we exist to introduce everyone to Jesus and teach them to follow him. Follow him. See, God wants to lead us, and he wants to instruct us in all areas of, areas of our lives, but we must be willing to follow. That's our job. God's job is to lead, which I'm grateful for. Our job is to follow. In Proverbs 11:4, it says, this is God speaking, I will instruct you in the way of wisdom and lead you along the straight path. Now I read that and I'm like, thank you, God. I need wisdom and I am so directionally challenged. Lead me on the straight path. Where am I going? But God wants to lead us in the way of wisdom. And he wants to lead us along the straight path. And maybe you're a visual person and you hear that verse and you think of straight paths. And you're thinking of I-90 or I-75 if you're in Florida. And you're like, okay, there's a pathway. I'm not in a ditch. I'm on a road. I'm heading somewhere. God wants to lead me on a pathway to get somewhere. But the amazing thing is the Hebrew word for straight past gives us even more insight and reveals to us that God does not just lead us down a path, but a protected path. The Hebrew word for straight path, the literal translation means an entrenchment. An entrenchment. Now you don't need an entrenchment. If there's not a battle, if there's not a war, or if there's not an attack. But we know that when there is an attack on relationships or an attack on our lives or an attack in some areas, we need a safe place. And God is saying that when there is an attack, you need an entrenchment, and I can provide that for you. The definition of entrenchment is a system of trenches dug by troops to provide a place of shelter from enemy fire. A place of shelter from enemy fire. Maybe you feel like you've had a lot of shots coming at you in your health, in your life, in whatever area, in your relationships. God wants to provide a safe place, a shelter from, enemy, from enemy's fire. See, God will instruct you and lead you forward in wisdom. And not just on any pathway, but a protected pathway. Shots may come, but you will find ourselves, and we'll find ourselves in a protected pathway. So, you know, every time that Adam and I are paid, we give back to God our tithes and on top of that offerings. We did it before we were married as single people, and we've done that the past 10 years that we've been married, every time that we're paid. We do this because God instructs us to do it. We do this because we love God and we want to give back to him a portion of what he's given to us. We do this because we want to do it out of obedience, but what we've also found is that when we do finances God's way, we have found a protection over our finances. Doesn't mean it always has been easy. Doesn't mean that shots have come, but we have found protection because we've done things God's way. 
Do you know that the same is true when it comes to our relationships? There are benefits to doing things God's way. A lot of times we want God's protection. We want his blessing. But we want to do things our own way. We want his protection. We want his blessing. But we want to do it our way. And what I've learned in my years of faith journey is that you can't have both. Protection happens when we come into alignment with the pathway that God has laid out for us. We got to come into alignment in order to receive that protection and that blessing that we all desire. You know, Pastor Jeremy always says that sex outside of marriage is unprotected sex. Somebody just woke up. We're talking about sex this morning. We're going to talk about sex this morning. Okay, when sex is happening outside of marriage, you remove yourself out from underneath God's protection. As God says that sex is meant to be enjoyed, hello, but also take place within the context of marriage. And so when it happens anywhere else, we step outside of and we open ourselves up to a lot of heartache, a lot of confusion, maybe some additional baggage that you're going to bring into future relationships. And so we want to be people who are living in God's protection. Okay, and listen, I know that culture might be like, well, if you want to have a rom romantic relationship and you're dating or you're engaged, then sex is a part of that. Okay, listen, you're like, I need to have experience in this, so I'll be good for my spouse one day. I want us to know that that is a myth, right? Because, yeah, you can, you can give God praise for that. But see, romance is not fueled by experience. Romance is fueled by exclusivity between you and one other person. And so don't buy into the lie that, man, but sex is what makes relationships. Sex makes babies, everybody. And then healthy. Married couples can have had lots of healthy married sex. I know y'all are like, okay, we should have done Let's Talk About Sex, baby, for our song today. Now listen, some of you are like, I cannot believe we're talking about sex in church. And some of you are like, I can't believe we're talking about sex in church. I belong here. This is my place. But everybody else is talking about sex. It is everywhere. You're getting text messages about it. It's on your social media. It's everywhere. And so we have to be able to talk about it in church. And I want us to know today, maybe you're like, I'm brand new to City First Church. Well, hello, you picked a great day to be here for the first time. We're not just a friendly church, we're a family church, we're having a family conversation. And I just want us to know that if you're like, oh my goodness, I am not in that protection pathway that you're talking about. Okay, this is, it doesn't just apply for today, but for every, every day of your life, every Sunday. If you feel like, man, something needs to change in me, there are two approaches to that, okay? There's something called condemnation and there's something called conviction condemnation is from the devil, okay? Condemnation is what makes you feel shameful, and it makes you feel bad, and it makes you feel embarrassed, and it makes you feel lesser than, okay? God would never want you to feel that way. He loves you so much. Even in his word, he says, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So at City First Church, we're never going to condemn anybody, okay? But there is something called conviction, and conviction is always for your betterment. 
Conviction is when the Holy Spirit nudges you. Oh, that's not, that's not the best thing for you. You're going to have whatever, one drink too many. You feel like, I shouldn't do that. That's the Holy Spirit saying you know what's best for you. It's when you're going to do something, you feel like, oh, I shouldn't say that about that person. That is the Holy Spirit convicting you. And it is kind, and it is good, and it is for your betterment. It's kind of like if you um, had, like, a, you're having a problem walking, so you go to the doctor's office. And they're like, your hip is out of alignment. Let's get that into alignment so that you can walk how you were created to. The same way that there's that physical alignment so you can be fully healthy, conviction is like spiritual alignment that will help you to be able to walk fully the faith journey that God has for you. So if you feel convicted, just go, okay, God, what do I do about this? And then do what he says you should do, okay? So God loves you, and when you're following Jesus and his ways, it will always be for your betterment. He wants what is best for you. So lean into the ways of Jesus. Okay, our second point today about having healthy relationships. I only have 87 points, so point number two. I'm just kidding. I only have two points. This is the last one, a two-point sermon, okay? So healthy relationships are Christ-centered. If we want to have healthy relationships, we're going to have Christ-centered relationships. See, there are a lot of things that we can do to better our relationships. We can work on honoring. We can work on serving. We can work on loving each other. But there is one thing I believe that can transform a relationship like nothing else, and that is having a Christ-centered relationship. Okay, but before you can have a Christ-centered relationship, you need a Christ-centered centered life. Now, it is possible to be a Christian and to be a Christ follower without having Christ at the center of your life. And as we even talked about conviction, every time that maybe you feel that, it's just moving Jesus closer to being at the center of your life. Because a lot of times, maybe you have a relationship with God, but it's kind of like a peripheral thing. He's kind of like a Sunday kind of God. Or maybe it's like you call on him in a 911 moment. If you'll just get me out of this, I swear I'll never do this or that. But you are designed, and you will find fulfillment when he is at the center of your life. Romans 12, 9 says, love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Run. For dear life from evil, run. For dear life to good, we want to love from the center of who we are. And the reality is that all of our lives are centered around something. It is the thing that gets the most of our focus. It is the thing that gets the most of our attention. It is the thing that we make decisions based around. It is the thing that determines how we spend our time. At the center of your life, maybe there is work. Everything revolves around work, all your decisions, all of your time. Maybe it's finances. That is what is most important to you. Maybe it's your kids. Your kids are dominating your life right now. But what is at the center impacts everything else. What's at the center of our lives impacts our values and our beliefs and ultimately impacts our actions and our influence. So it really matters what is at the center of our lives. And a lot of times, if we're not careful, we're going to get caught up in the gravitational pull to have me be at the center of my life. 
we will get caught up in living a self-centered life or a me-centered life. And when we live a me-centered life, we see a lot of the opposite of what we just read about in 1 Corinthians 13. When there is a me-centered life, the overflow of that into our values and beliefs and our actions and our influence is going to be selfishness and greed because it's all about me. There's going to be pride and boasting because why wouldn't you want to talk about you if you is all that you're focusing on? There's going to be things like pride and boasting and lust because you're going to go, okay, whatever satisfies me right now is what I'm going to participate in. There's going to be things like insecurity and discontentment and fear because if you are at the center of your life and you are looking, for, you're looking to yourself to receive peace, to receive contentment, to receive freedom, and you cannot give that to you. Only God can give that to you. When we live me-centered lives, it's all about getting instead of giving. Now imagine two people living me-centered lives. Jesus help us. We wonder why relationships are not working. Imagine two people being in a relationship like that. Woo! That's never going to work. So what happens when we put Christ at the center of our lives? It also overflows into our beliefs and values and actions and influence. And the overflow of a Christ-centered life are things like love and patience. You're a little bit less angry than you used to be. It's massive. It's things like kindness and goodness. You're looking for opportunities to bless other people. Gentleness and humility. It doesn't have to be about you all the time anymore. You can let other people shine and have a moment. Things like honor start to overflow, where you're verbally and with your actions showing honor. Things like celebration can happen, where you can celebrate other people's success instead of feeling like their success can diminish yours. There is enough room for success for everybody. Let's celebrate one another and not compare. And when we're living Christ-centered lives, we begin to celebrate one another because there's not that same insecurity that there used to be. With Christ at the center, there's protection. We want to be people who will create a safe space for our spouse, for our family, for our friends, for our roommates. There's purity because the more that Christ is at the center, the more that you are going to be following that conviction of like, okay, I know I used to flirt with that person, but the Holy Spirit told me to stop. I used to watch that, but I'm not going to anymore. Purity begins to overflow. Hope. Some of you maybe have lost hope for relationships. When Christ moves at the center, there's nothing that God cannot do, and so hope is restored. Maybe it's perseverance. Maybe you're walking through a really difficult time in your marriage, and you know you should persevere, but you're feeling weak. The more that Christ is at the center of your life, the more that you can lean on his strength in the middle of your weakness to continue to persevere. Don't give up. Now imagine a relationship with two people living with Christ at the center. Hello, that's what we all desire. That's how we have healthy relationships. Who wouldn't want a relationship like that? The most important thing that you can do for your relationships, for your kids, for your friends, for your family, for your spouse, for your future spouse, is to live with Christ at the center. It could change everything like it did for our friends, Mike and Lisa. Let's go ahead and watch this.
Well, I met Lisa, and to be honest, I fell for her in two weeks. So uh, it didn't take long at all. She took my heart quick. So uh, Mike and I got married in January of 2011. We had the dream wedding on a beach in Mexico. And then two months later, I got pregnant. We were on cloud nine. I can't believe, you know, everything's going as planned. Um, and then tragedy started in May. Uh, May 20th, my brother committed suicide. And then six days later, I, I lost the baby. And then in August, we got pregnant again. So we were like, awesome, uh, we're, we're, we're back on the mend. And uh, five weeks into my pregnancy, uh, I started bleeding and uh, went to the doctor and they said, I said, well, what, what are the odds that, you know, we can carry this baby? And they said, I, I can't even give you a percent. At 30 weeks, uh, complications landed me in the hospital. I was in the hospital for five weeks, hooked up to machines 24 seven. Our baby was born, he was beautiful, uh, perfect health. Uh, so we were uh, extremely blessed, uh, but my medical conditions uh, continued. We got blessed with an angel. There's no way to get around it. And that evening, it was the best sound I heard was his first cry. <laughs> And I wanted to be excited for him and for us, but I had to worry about my wife surviving. We got through all of her surgeries, um, still had struggles for, you know, for, for two years with her, with her health. I didn't know what to do. I just worked. Working that much hurt us. We, we both just weren't, we weren't communicating like we're supposed to. We separated in August of 2014. I was lost. You know, you build this image in your mind of what marriage and, and family is gonna be like, and then tragedy hits and you don't join forces to, to, make, it, to make it work. It's devastating. It's, it's like a death when, when you separate. And I remember getting on my hands and knees one night and just saying, God, please help me, you know, please help me uh, navigate through this. Tell me what you want me to do. What am I supposed to do? That's when I started coming to church. I remember the more I came here, uh, the more I started to look at people different. You know, I started to see people that were struggling too. They were struggling like I was. You know, I no longer thought about poor me. Why did all these things happen to me? My mind started to think more about, my God, how, how blessed am I? You know, thank you. Happy that I'm alive and my son's alive. And just, it's just gratitude. She asked me to go to church on Christmas Eve. And of course, my mentality is, you know, check it off the list, it's Christmas, you go. And immediately I saw families, which hit home. But sitting there through the message, listening to Jeremy, I got that feeling that, you know, there's nobody else in this room right now. It's every week it was Pastor Jeremy was talking to us somehow, some way. And we started talking about the messages. So uh, we started to communicate on a level we hadn't before. And I wanted more of it. I wanted more of church and I wanted to be around her more. So we ended up getting back together. If I can give anybody any advice, it'd be put God first. You put God first and he will align you with your spouse and slow that through. So I think that's probably a struggle is, is to, to ask for help. And the only person that can help you the most is God.
Yeah, we can give God praise for that. How amazing. How amazing. I love Mike and Lisa's story. And what's so incredible is that we filmed that a couple years ago, and they're still doing awesome key members of our dream team here at City First Church. And I just want to reiterate what they shared today, that no matter your relationship status, no matter your past relationship dynamics, maybe you're like, Lisa, if you only knew what I've done, what's been done to me, what I've been through. No matter what your current relationship status is, maybe you're like, our marriage is in a really tough place, or maybe it's just a very complicated situation right now. No matter if you are single and you want to have a future relationship, no matter what your relationship status is, I want to encourage you today and remind you that there is hope for you and healthy relationships. Because where there is Jesus, there is hope. He can restore, he can redeem, he can make new, he can work miracles in relationships. He can work miracles in your life. You might be like, well, I am trying to live a Christ-centered life, and my spouse's a me-centered life doesn't come to church. Keep living a Christ-centered life. The Bible says that when we put God first, everything else comes together. Seek first the kingdom of God. And so let's be people who continue to put God first. He will do his part, but then we have to be willing to do our part. We have to be willing to give up our way and begin to do things Jesus' way when it comes to relationships and life. And in order for Jesus to be at the center of your life, you will need to begin to make room for him to live there. And as you begin to give him first place, you will see that other areas of your life, including your relationships, will begin to shift and they will begin to change for the better. But follow when the Holy Spirit nudges you. Hey, that's not honoring. Hey, I'm, let, let's love. Hey, don't say that. Follow. Let God be at the center of your life. How do you live a Christ-centered life? Come to church every Sunday that you possibly can. I love what Mike even said, that when him and Lisa were coming to church together, it gave them great things to talk about. Come to church and bring somebody with you. Read your Bible every day. It might be one verse from you version, whatever it is, just get in God's word. Because as you put him first, that means that your time will follow and you're going to give him a little bit more of your time. Maybe you need to get in a life group. Maybe like I have lots of questions about what we're talking about today or about how to have Christ at the center. Join a group. You'll be surrounded with people who will pray with you and pray for you and help you grow in your faith journey. Or maybe today for Christ to be at the center of your life, you've never made the decision to make him the leader and forgiver of your life. And so before we go any further, I just want to pause right now and give everyone an opportunity. If you've never made Jesus the leader, forgiver of your life, for you to be able to do that now. So if everybody would go ahead and bow your heads, close your eyes. And if you're saying, I want to follow Jesus, I believe that he died on the cross for my sins, rose again, giving me a brand new life, fresh start. If that's you, would you go ahead and slip up your hand? If you're online, there's a button that you can click as well. I'm seeing hands go up. Just going to wait a moment. Most important decision of your life. Incredible. I see your hand. You can go ahead and put that down once you've slipped it up. Absolutely amazing. Well, let's all repeat this prayer together so that no one's saying it by themselves. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me, for saving me, for giving me a fresh start. Today I receive 
your forgiveness and make you the leader and forgiver of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, church, can we give everyone who prayed that prayer a huge round of applause? We're going to have a next step for you in just a moment. We're so excited for you. Best decision ever. For the rest of us, let's focus on putting Christ at the center every single day. We have a little prayer. We're going to put it on the screen. And I want to encourage you. Maybe you want to take a picture of it or else we're going to be posting it on social media. But every morning, would you pray this prayer? Heavenly Father, today I place you first in my life. Lead me in wisdom down the straight path and I will follow. Great things are in store for you as you follow in the ways of Jesus. I'm believing blessing over your relationships. I'm believing healing for marriages. I'm believing for restoration for that which has been broken. There is nothing that God cannot do. If you believe it, would you give God praise? I love you, City First Church. You're amazing.